0: Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Co-Creating with AI. I'm Martin, and with me is Rasmus. As always, you're back from Malaysia,
1: Rasmus. Uh, yeah, yeah, back um, last night, pretty much. A little bit jet-lagged, but uh, not too bad. Awesome. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm um, um, bending down my head fully into embeddings. Actually, I'm, I'm working on on um, I. It brought in a, a bendings library called uh, um, Sentence uh, Transformers, where you can really um, use a lot of embeddings models. And I'm comparing them and using multilingual embeddings as well, which makes uh, text of any any language um, adjacent to each other in the vector space. And uh, having a lot of fun with the power of just plain embeddings. It's It's so powerful because it's super fast as well.
1: That's pretty cool, so that means like just a multilingual thing. That means that if my data set has consists of texts, let's say, of many different languages, they can still be like one vector space where you know the Swedish and English words for the same thing are at the same point in the vectors of the same, but probably very close exactly. at least. okay
0: interesting. yeah, and uh, if you have a lot of documentation in English, users can still ask questions in Swedish or whatever language and and uh that's so that's just a liberty, like you don't have to care about a language
1: that's pretty nuts, actually. I mean, if you just take that a few steps further, mm. like isn't it like I mean, it's like it doesn't matter which language you speak or that like it is written in. It's like you know when you when you just take this a few years out, it's like I could be asking questions about you know ancient Chinese history that's only written in like. I don't know, old Mandarin. I don't know enough mm. about the history, right? But like whatever language like, was it was written in. And as long as those are embedded in the same vector space, I, I don't have to like ask. I'm not only getting information, you know, third hand from like a English or Swedish author that, you know, researched the topic. I'm actually, you know, getting access to the original information. Mm. Does that yeah. make sense? That's how I'm understanding it. That's yeah, pretty nice actually.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, it's very compact. For example, there are now you can du- just download uh, an embedding of all of Wikipedia, and I, I wow. suppose it's the in that case it's English Wikipedia. But but then you you get the vector database, uh, so you can you can just get a Wikipedia URL from any from any sentence. Like what you your user says something random, and you can immediately bring up a Wikipedia article. You you don't have to embed all of wikipedia yourself you just just get the url and you you send a bot to to uh, uh,
1: browse it that is pretty cool i mean yeah i mean it mm-hmm. it's actually pretty mind-blowing i think that sort of that feels like you know the true kind of fruition of, of kind of google's mission right right like all, all the world's knowledge available to you like yeah. it's even across languages and across of course it's been for a while but across different modalities like text image video like that's already happening and then languages are happening as well that means like literally all like i i i'd, I'd be surprised if you know in five ten years like i don't have access to all the world's public information yeah. through like let's call the chatbot right or mm. that's sort of where this ends up right
0: yeah and, and there's uh, in that direction there there are now very mature APIs. Uh, perplexity is one, and Metaphor is another. Metaphor might have changed the name recently; I forget to what. But but uh, so they are basically huge vector databases of the entire web, and then an LLM on top. And you can call them through your browser or through an API. So if you build your own AI service, you can give the, the your AI a vector search tool for the entire. Uh, uh, web
1: that's it's so crazy as well because that's like you know <laughs> Google's secret sauce. And I mean, I I, yeah. I I bet that Google has more on top of this, right? They've been working at this for a while, mm. but it's still like new developer, you know, vector like access to Google's you know, indexing or like of the internet, right? Mm. Prevalent
0: i'm playing around with the. the, there's a super useful github library called semantic router uh, which is uh, basically um, just like if you're building a website you have a um, routing module which takes the url and routes it to the correct code to render that page but this is a semantic router so it When when the user asks a question, or you're in the middle of a chat conversation, and user just states something, uh, semantic router embeds that statement or that question, and then routes. You can build custom routing then for the based on embeddings. So you can have all kinds of embeddings for um, different topics like politics or e-commerce or travel or whatever your um, bot is about, and then you can you can route the, the the to the correct LLM. So for example, if the if the user is asking for, like, search the web for this, then you can, instead of calling GPT-4 and letting GPT-4 decide to to search the web, you can just plainly like send that question to perplexity um, and to the API and get the response back to, and show to the user. But wait,
1: so, so just to like double click on that and maybe, like you know simplified a bit at least for me and maybe for the listener so what we're saying here is i have a bunch of information that like let's say we have these different vector databases Mm -hmm. that are the results of different sources of data that have been like that someone has run embeddings on right and now you have the end user wanting something and and then the semantic router uh, you know so if i ask a question about travel then the router is going to direct me to the um, vector database about travel, and yeah. thereby yeah. being able to extract that information. Mm. But if I'm interested in something else, it goes through another database. That works out. Okay. And
0: and it could be not not even just a different database, but a completely different AI. You could you could have like a fine-tuned LM for travel, and which both uses a, a database and APIs. To do some some magic around travel, and then you don't call that until you your semantic router discovers that the user is going into travel as a topic.
1: Interesting, but this must be like something that. I mean, do you think OpenAI is already using this in some capacity? Because at least it seems like a logical next step, right? Because you know, if you have all these GPTs, mm-hmm. then how do how does you know? general chat GPT, let's call it, you know, that's going to go towards AGI, right? Mm. Like decide which GPT to use, or, you know, if there are different data sources you have access to through it, et cetera, et cetera, right? Is that the kind of, you know, that, that must be like core to like the AI interface that the end user is using, right? It's like, it's close to the user and then decides what yeah. models or data sets to use. It's like, that, yeah. that kind of...
0: And and it... Exactly because currently the way I explore embeddings it's a very fast way to to do data processing outside of the LLM while still sort of uh, existing within the same um, understanding the same uh, understanding space so so um, you know that my classifications using using embeddings will match then what what my AI what my LLM will Will uh, uh, think and understand about the con the same content.
1: Interesting, and 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 one of the other properties of of embeddings is it's much quicker than yeah. the than like running it through the actual LLM, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if you like. I would I would be curious why, but if we just look at what does that mean? Then it means you can use it for things where the LLMs are currently too slow, so you can. I mean, give give like what's an example because you've been actually using this practically now right so yeah. what's
0: yeah so for example if you if you want to um g- do some data analysis basically rag is a great example that you want to call your your big super smart slow uh, ai um, language model um but you want to feel the the context with data and you want that to be super fast so you use embeddings rather than having a, a big fine-tuned data storage LLM which is really slow to 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 query you query your vector database or you can do um uh, some kind of um routing like the semantic router is doing but you can also do cl- just plain classification like um is the user asking about something i want my my ai to talk about or am i building an e-commerce ai and i don't want it to talk about politics or bomb making so i i then you can just embed a lot of your your e-commerce content or all of it basically and then when the user says something you compare it to the embeddings of your content and you can see like um In in not a three D space, but in a very high multidimensional space, is the vector, uh, the the position or the location of the topic the user is talking about, is that within the cloud of topics that I want my AI to be concerned of?
1: Yeah, it's so it's 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 kind of like you can very quickly do bunch of like you can like it's a little bit like you can use embeddings to understand the user, right? Mm -hmm very quickly in different Mm. ways. You can analyze, you know, say what's what's the topic they're talking about, what emotion are they, you know, are like, what are they angry, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Like customer service or in sales or whatever, right. Are they happy? Are they, you know, from purchase, maybe I mean manipulative, but you know, like Mm. you just look at use cases, Mm. uh, and, and also you can then like from that understanding of the user, you can pull up very quickly. The relevant information much much quicker than mm. than actually you know calling the lm to apply intelligence this is still just like it feels a little bit more classical right i mean i know it's part of this lm paradigm mm. but it feels like the kind of things you do is not like write code for me it's more like classify understand a route like you said mm. to the relevant inform like information. Pull out the relevant information, and then from that kind of soup, from that context, then you can like apply intelligence. Mm. Uh, you know, ask say GPT four to based on you know. Okay, we're talking about e-commerce. Okay, this person is uh, you know I don't know passionate about the, the outdoors and is you know prone to purchase. Here is the vector space of uh, products that are relevant. And then you send that to the LLM to like recommend the top three things because this company never wants to recommend more than three because then the, you know, user gets confused or something, Hmm. you know, that's kind of the, is that like a a decent example, but the last thing might take longer because then, you know, the LLM actually from that context needs to understand, take all this information and, and then make a good recommendation to the user. And, yeah. and
0: and maybe generate text like generate yeah. a, a paragraph of text that summarizes all of that into yeah. into something that is more pleasant to read. Yeah. And uh, so the the embeddings are all math. You just get numbers. You get like uh, how how angry is this text? Zero point seven. Like mm-hmm. there's uh, it's very very terse in information like that, but uh, but uh, but it's super powerful because you can. It's so highly dimensional. So it's not only the like you can you can embed a big list of emotions and see wh- which emotion is this text closest to. But you can also embed a style of writing. So you can embed like formal writing and uh, and casual writing, and then you can see where is this text closing closest to to one of them. And uh, so so there's all of these possibilities that is very. Untapped today, and plus we, since it's all math, you can actually you can do arithmetics on semantics. you can um, take you can if you if you take uh, like France and Paris and you embed them and you, if you subtract um, France from Paris and then add Italy, you get Rome so it it's like it's you can you can add and subtract uh semantic meaning using embeddings mm-hmm. since since it's all math and that's I mean I
1: I've heard that example before what's the use for that though
0: yeah so for example um if you if you have um it i uh, this is actually uh, um what what notion is doing when they um apply style styling on on user written text inside of notion and that then they they add more they like they, they take the um they take the user text and if the user requests a professional tone of voice they take the embeddings for professional text and add it to uh, the the like, or, like and and not like uh, it, um, what I mean when I say add is the mathematical uh, mm. definition of add. It just they use addition, so they take mm. the vector for the text, they add the vector for for professional, and and then they regenerate the result from from the sum of those, and then they get a more professional text.
1: And, uh, okay, but th- th- okay, this is cool. Okay, so but and this is different from say what ChatGPT is doing when I'm asking it to write in professional English. Right, yes. most likely, because then you have the uh, you, you have you have the basic you know weights of the LLM where mm. it will you know when I'm asking for a professional it's you know stupidly said it will like route here like mm. through the training and then like the end result will be based on all the professional so to say texts of that you know set. But would this be like different, better generally if I take my base text or my base request and then I have this vector space? of professional text to add on to it. Is mm-hmm. that like the or do you, you know that notion is doing this to get like better results in this this regard?
0: Yeah, so th- yeah, they have uh, their CTO have um, some YouTube talks about this how they how they built this. And so what they do is much much more closer to how Midjourney or DALI generates images because they also use embeddings uh, of the words when you type in rabbit and then you add the word angry. You get an angry rabbit because they 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 produce an image of the sum, and then you can, if you if you feel like uh, it it has too much fur, you can say minus fur inside mid-journey. and that so that's what Notion is doing, but on text instead of images.
1: Oh wow, yeah, that is pretty that's pretty impressive actually. Like that that's the way it's gone, and and that is pre like sending it to the LLM, no
0: yeah yeah and well so they they have sort of an llm to generate output it's just that the the llm is interpreted it's working from embeddings rather than from from a textual prompt
1: okay but but okay right so that's so interesting so it basically converts my prompt here Mm. to route it to these uh vector databases and then adding them rabbit angry here so a database of or a vector space of angry images, a vector mm. space of of rabbit images, and then they add them on top. Yes. They don't send this to like some other type of image gen LLM, that then needs to interpret these words as mm. you know. Okay,
0: and that's actually how multimodal AI works as well. So GPT four vision, uh, it it generates the embeddings of an image, and then it interprets the embeddings directly in its own uh, latent space so it it it's not converting the image to text and then and then reading the text as as a context and and generating some output but, but it's actually working from the embeddings on the image which which means that uh, you actually have to how you prompt it the, uh, this is is part of how you then prompt GPT four is part of what it decides to pull out from those embeddings when when it generates text, and it's so it's a, it's a very um, embeddings so it's really at the core of of everything about AI, but it's it's uh, very deep down and technical.
1: Yeah, cool. Thanks. Good to understand this better and. I'm curious how much, like, so you mentioned GPT-4 Vision, right? I'm curious just in, say, you know, working with ChatGPT or with Dolly, like how much, or like, is this a different route from this, like the open AI kind of leadership, the one that Notion is taking and the one that MidJourney is taking, or is it the same one? Do you know? Like, are they, like when you're saying, I mean, the example is like, hey, write me, you know, an article about this, make it more professional. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it then, you know, just sending that prompt to the AI or are they, you know, doing something similar here with the vector space of professional text? Same thing with Dolly. Like I I generated a picture of a giraffe. Now I want a tad and hat to it. I know Mm -hmm. that it goes through the step of GPT-4 vision here, right? But Mm -hmm. does it take the vector space of images to generate there as well? Uh, yeah. You know? So
0: yeah. So it's uh, OpenAI is working heavily with uh, with uh, embeddings in the vector space in order to achieve what they do, the multimodality they do. However, the I I actually um, feel that the way that Notion has done this, uh, like vector addition, to achieve uh, different tones of voice and so on, the the results are much more fussy and 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 not as sharp as if you were just prompting GPT-4 to, to okay. do it differently. So, okay. so it's sort of an experiment that shows the power of embeddings and which has greatly increased my understanding and and, and willingness to explore other uh, use cases for embeddings. But but it's not like the, they have found a pot of gold that, that no one else did because in, in for the end user, it's sort of, yeah, it's it's sort of there, but I would rather just put the text in 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 GPT four to and, and tell it what to do with it.
1: Cool. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. I, I sort of uh, I think I misunderstood you there because my I think my reference point was Mid Journey, which is yeah. still, you know the still uh, state of the art. Yeah. That's yeah. that's my bad. To to like, no 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 yeah. not at all. I was just yeah. like, like that. That was mm-hmm. my assumption. Then oh, that's yeah. how Mid Journey does it, and mm-hmm. now Notion does it, and you were impressed, and I was like, you know, mm-hmm. adding them together. Synaptic, now, what I,
0: what i really got to understand from the notion demos was the really the power of of uh, and the richness of uh, an embedding that mm. it, with especially when you see that uh with the the ai they the, the model they have fine tuned c- they can take an embedding of a paragraph and and then uh, run it in reverse and get uh, the the paragraph back almost verbatim just from like from three thousand float numbers, they get the, the paragraph back with, like, if it used a quote in the beginning, it ha- still has a quote in the beginning, and if it use a casual tone, it's a casual tone, and if they mention some facts, it's still mentioning the same facts, and and that's just um, uh, like incredible. That that means that uh, um, there's a m- lot more to to explore just from embeddings and and vector search uh, rather than like on top of just rag which is uh, um what what everybody is using embeddings for
1: yeah it's interesting I'm gonna send this uh this episode to a friend of mine who's a neuroscience postdoc um, working with um, memory and decision making mm-hmm. and obviously interested very interested in AI we had a chat like a couple of weeks back again and because it feels like, and this is very, you know, he's mm. probably, probably going to, you know, <laughs> completely say I'm off here, but it feels like that's the way, like, that's, that could be like how our brains work in one sense. Like, mm. and, and like, just like that they are relational, like, just like, okay, how do I actually, how am I creative around something? Like, okay, so I have some memory of seeing dogs, right? Yes. I yes. have some memory of people being angry. And now I sort of merge those two to create an angry dog mm. that feels like it is kind of how it, it, it or at least, and then may, or maybe that's like, it just like, feels like that would at least be one part of how I utilize memory, mm. you know? And that's what people have been advertising vector databases, right? You know, the long-term memory for AI. So let's say they're correct, right? And it's an equivalence to our memory, and yeah. then we process it through, Whatever part of our brain is responsible for the, you know, the um the generative part, let's mm-hmm. say, you know, calling up memory and then generating some output, whether that's speech or images or whatever modality. Um and that would be like the LLM in this case. So it's sort of like it feels like, you know, with with that we are really like getting close to the fundamental building blocks of like at least experientially, how like yeah. you know, it feels to you know, remember and use that memory to think and create mm. things and generate output.
0: And and that is actually also what what they use. If you've seen these crazy videos where they do actual brain reading, where they bring out yeah. some EEG signals and they interpret them into images, and you can see that when you when you tell the 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 person, the human, to think about the rabbit, and there's there's a, sort of a vague, fussy, noisy rabbit starting to appear mm. on the screen, and it's super mm. scary. And yeah. and uh, that 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 what they're doing is that they have trained an uh, an an AI model, fine-tuned it to convert the EEG signals to uh, something like embeddings, like clip or blip or some standard where they have embeddings for for the entire world of of images, so they can translate, and then they use uh, like a some kind of diffusion. Um, Model for getting the image from the embeddings that that they translate the the brain signals uh, into. So so it's that that's also uh, like you're spot on with that that embeddings are um, right now. It's our our best understanding for how to translate between different um, realms, like between. Um, the the wet brain of humans and the silicon brain of computers and between video and text and images and and emotions and that's a, it's just a extremely powerful language of mathematics and and semantics. But in
1: this case, with the uh, with the you know the MRI scans, it was MRI, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're saying like. But with the, uh, is there a clean data set of like MRI scans unconnected from images or do they actually have a thousand people looking at images and measuring their yeah. MRIs first? Yeah. That's what they the do. Yeah. Right. And then they have the connection between images and what an MRI looks like, which is also another image, yeah. right? So they have like a vector space of images and how close they are, yeah. so to say, or maybe the two vector database and they're like, exactly. you know, okay. So there's still like that fundamental research to be done to bridge different things like brain waves mm. and images right or brain waves and speech yeah um, but yeah i wouldn't be surprised then if you can like you can so, like you know i i think like one of the one of the things that elon musk wants to do with uh, with Neuralink is make blind people see and it really feels like somewhere here mm-hmm. there is that opportunity
0: yeah like I could... But because what Basically, you can already read someone's brain. You don't have to be invasive, like Neuralink. But he wants to write into the brain, and that's when he needs to like be invasive, connect the electrodes right into the brain.
1: All right. Yeah. That's yeah. Scary. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be one of the first there. No. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. Okay. But so if we take this more like practical, then I mean, so did you? Did you? Um. I think I sent you the um just a short summary of uh, the chat that Sam Altman had with uh, Bill Gates right uh, with like what he what he you know how he talks about GPT-5 which is like yeah. a lot of personalization and customizability but let's focus maybe on personalization and you know he mm-hmm. said it would um, you know the, the the pivotal enhancements like the big things that would happen would be that yeah. the model will be capable to understand individual preferences incorporating all that data about users like in their emails, calendars, appointment preferences, whatever, right? And there's going to mm. be medical data. It's going to be maybe not in chat GPT, but all of this stuff is going to get into some kind mm. of AI, right? So let's just use, you know, GPT-5 as kind of the focal point for there. Like, so, so connecting that to what we just talked about, how do you see that playing out, like with, with embeddings? Do you think that's like, is, is what we talked about part of that? Yeah, like, uh,
0: it, it's. To me, it's somewhat disappointing. Actually, like I, <laughs> I want Sam Altman to think about how to make the AI reasoning better, not mm-hmm. how to access my email. I know, I want him to, to let the rest of the world deal with how it gets data from APIs and stuff. I mean, like unless he has some crazy uh, sci- sci-fi stuff with information flow straight in, straight into the LLM, so it becomes more of a, like the, the AI can start to have. More of a subjective experience, and a, and like it's not be frozen in its weight, but actually change in reaction to their to the rest of the world. But uh, it sounds I'm I'm I strongly believe in the in the use case, like the experience of the end user that he that he uh, describes. Though, what what are your reactions?
1: Um, no, my my sense was just like from what we talked about that it just feels like they're gonna make uh embeddings very central to it so like as a user i can they're probably going to have or already have their own semantic router uh you know all the information i feed in is going to be um you know embedded into vector databases in some organized manner you know Mm -hmm. depending where they come from and then you will have like that kind of rag built in so whatever, like what we talked about now, is like whatever I do with, say, GPT-5, all that data is going to flow in, uh, you know, uh, as, okay. as a context. And then all these GPTs will be the uh, arms and legs, you know? So that will be the memory, and then will be arms and legs, and then hopefully, like, will be the GPTs. And then hopefully the brain will improve as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, should be. Uh, and, and then, like, I agree, like, feels like if... If we're not going down that route it's some kind of dynamic fine tuning or dynamic retraining or something that just happens as the data flows in mm. so that we all have have our own ai basically like going yeah. towards that route you know that actually your AI, your gpt5 like when you use ChatGPT gpt and i use chat gpt and we ask the same question you know a thousand times mm. we're still going to get like we're not going to get the same answer anytime or even close because my AI is actually different from yours, because it has all my information and preferences, and yours has yours. Yeah. Um. But I'm not sure if that's what he's saying here. It felt more like, you know, um, next stage at least whether they call that 4.5 or five. You know, okay. it's going to be something along the lines of what we're talking about now. Because I think Sam Altman is like extremely strategical. That he's not going to let anyone else, you know, just rob him of being the uh, end user interface. I mean, and he feels that you know, if he doesn't do that, then you know, Google and Apple is going to eat his lunch, which they might anyhow, because you know, they are they own the they own the end user kind of interfaces. Hmm. Um, so, but yeah, just my two cents. I'm I'm not sure, but that's that's where I am.
0: Yeah, maybe he's um, running out of money just to do like to do training on or running out the data or something uh, because. Uh, Otherwise, he would just be training the next big brain. Uh, I, I mean, or maybe that's just a that's, that's just an interpretation. Maybe he has too much money. He has too many developers now. He needs to put them mm. into. He can't just like have Greg Brockman run run, run fine tuning on GPT four into GPT five. He needs to have a thousand engineers doing something now.
1: Yeah, maybe my sense would be though that like. Our level, like we can't even talk about Sam Altman. We need to all almost talk about like OpenAI, Microsoft mm-hmm. versus Google versus Twitter, Grok or X X Grok, you know, yeah. and yeah. Tesla, which is kind of a you know a thing. And then
0: Alibaba's new uh, LLM is, uh, is like I just saw a headline, of course, as we do nowadays. I saw uh, yeah. the headline was that Alibaba's new LLM is rivalling. Or surpassing GPT 3.5 in capacity, so okay. China, China is also in the game, so to speak, and and France, of course, with Mistral.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe a good point to round off on, but I'm, uh, I, I think I haven't like since I've been traveling, but I haven't read as much as I want to. But I mean, I, I want to dive into the newest Google stuff as well. I just sort of yeah. headline as well, Gemini Ultra, etc. Maybe we'll do a little bit more, more reading before next time, and then we'll. We'll have less hunches and more. <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will be coding. That's my yeah. that's my yeah. that's my favorite yeah. pastime. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, anyhow, good. Uh, good chat, Martin. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, too, Rasmus. And thanks to the listener. Um. If you have questions or comments or suggestions for guests and topics, email us at Martin or Rasmus at montcly.co.